You are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this is Outspoken. You are tuning in and we will be starting our long-awaited interview. Right. Here is what you all have been waiting for. You guys have been blowing up our Facebook page, our Twitter, the whole thing. And we're going to just... Just go right to it. Go right to Welcome it. to the show, the woman, the comic, the legend, Margaret Cho. You are on the air with Outspoken. Hi, how are you? I can't, uh, so, hello, good. I can't speak, just yeah, so you know. We can't even really imagine <laughs> this is happening. Sandra! Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't be shy, girl. It's five days. No. <laughs> we love it. I have to tell oh, you, since we goodness. announced that you were going to come on our show, uh, People that have never listened to us, and yeah. you know, not that there's many of those, they have been so excited. So we want to just say a big, big welcome to everybody who's here to hear uh, from Margaret. Margaret, you have been on the scene, not even stopping for like decades now. What I'll is it that so gives that. you close to seventy-five years? Right, I Absolutely. think <laughs> that's what I thought. You and <laughs> you and Lily Tomlin started together. Yeah, I think is what <laughs> I think. Uh, well, uh, yes, I've been. I was. Dead. Dancing with Lily Tomlin, that behind the footlights and the chorus line, we're like old friends. Yeah. Right. I've been around forever, girl. Right, but you know what? But you look fabulous, so that's Thank what we're going to say. Because you, yeah, you always pull it out, and you, you even had a fashion line that was coming out. I know. What? I do, and now I have. Right now, I have yeah. um, a collab, a collab with Beta Brand. So I'm putting out this. Um, it's a black sort of a jumpsuit. Ooh. Replaced. Women and purses, you know, so it's a, it's a way to go out without accessories, which I think is very important every now and again. Yeah. Yes. So it, it, it sort of to, uh, looks like um, the old black velvet, uh, I think the liqueur ads from the 70s with Catherine Deneuve. Ooh. Inspired by. And so it's just. Yes, I'm a, I'm a fashion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm more like from the end of. I can sew clothes, so I'm I'm yeah. straight out of the sweatshop. <laughs> That's my face on. So it's just, it's a big jumpsuit with a bunch of pockets, then. Yes. Okay. Lots got of it. Pockets, and uh, but they but they lay flat, so it flatters the body. Oh. Oh. Okay. Tell. So it's like right pockets like, around um, the hips, the the flattering yeah. areas. Okay. Hey, I hear Very you because like a Charlie's Angels thing. Oh, gotcha. I love it because I'm a big bear. I need things that you know keep me keep me slim, slimmer. I. <laughs> so I want to talk to you about, first of all, where did this drive come from? I mean, you've been you, writing jokes since you were 14, performing since you were 16, and you basically are, you know, you've proven to be unafraid, but you, like you said, fashion, there's been music, there, you just constantly grow. Where does the drive to do this come from? Well, I mean, I, I really love to work, and, um, you know, when I started, I was really a child. Like, I just wanted to grow up. I was mm-hmm. this weird, queer kid, and I didn't want to get bullied anymore, so I wanted to become an adult. And so then work became kind of a way to save my own life. Right. And it's still that to me, you know, and I love that I get to do so many different things. It's really important. Yeah, and you, we actually get our work ethic from you. You're like our parent. Oh. You don't know it. But you you're are secretly mama. Yeah, you're secretly Mommy. our mama. That. Yeah. So that you bad. you had your start um, with the whole comedy thing with improv. Do you think that uh, improv, doing improv comedy, uh, pushed you to be a stand-up comedy, or do you think that that urge of comedy was already inside of you? Oh, I was already ready to. be You were there. Yeah. I, mean, I wanted to be Joan Rivers, yeah. and that was it. You know, and improv was a, a way to learn a lot mm-hmm. of. Um, how to perform, and also it's a good, it was a good writing yeah, yeah. tool for me, too, afterwards. 
But ultimately, I um, never really committed to doing improv as much as I did to stand-up comedy because that's what I was always trying to be. Well, what's interesting is, you know, we've all through the years learned about your relationship with your parents and all of that. And, you know, it's been said that your father wrote joke books, and but yes. you still didn't yes. feel that connection with him. But do you, do you think at some level that interest of his was, you know, instilled in you, even though your jokes oh, are so absolutely. different? Yeah, he was really inspiring. He's still inspiring, and he's an author. And um, what's most inspiring is that he um, wanted me to be uh, sort of taught and educated by gay men that worked for him. We own a bookstore in San Francisco on Folk Street, which was an art hub, and Armistead Mopin would come in all the time, and Robin Williams would come in all the time. Oh, wow. I've known him since I was a little girl, and he would push me into the company of men like Armistead and all these artists because he knew they could give me something that he couldn't. Right. Which, which was very um, much, uh, you know, about learning about art and literature and music and of course comedy. Right. So the more of the performance side of everything that you do. Yeah. Um, so you not only do comedy, but you also act, you love the acting side of it, which, <gasps> which side do you feel like you belong to more the comedy or the acting? I mean, I know co- acting can be comedic, but I mean, stand up. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm comedic. Yeah. Comedic. Yeah. Well, I have to say, the best part, and I mean, it was a great show, but I loved episodes where you were featured on Drop Dead Diva. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I had fun with that. We all really love each other, and it was a great experience, and it was actually like a seven-year commitment, so right. it was very, um, it, was, it was very Cool. You know, that was fun. And what's it like to do? You are such an independent woman, such an independent just worker, really, uh, control of your own destiny in a way. And then you joined this show and you are part of this ensemble cast. What was it like? Was it easy for you to go, OK, I got this. I can I can step back a little. Or what was it like for you? Um, well, it was great because it was great to be a helping hand. I really love Brooke Elliott, who is the star of the show. I yes. think she's really magnificent. And um, we shared a trailer, and I would fill up that toilet so fast. Like, can, <laughs> it's amazing how much I can produce. <laughs> oh, perfect. I've heard that in your comedy, yeah. I, I will admit. Yes. <laughs> Stuck in traffic? Oh, yeah. yeah. Comes out. I'm very creative, <laughs> intestinally. Uh, you're so you're so open about it too, um, especially with uh, your sexuality. You're in a, you're married, but it's an open relationship. How does that? And you've never you've, shied away. You've from never the shied away for side. that. How do, oh, how well, is that? Unfortunately, I am not anymore. Oh, but I was for a long time. Okay, and you know it's great. It's great to have. I mean, you know, polyamory works. It's just right. um, yeah. sometimes people grow apart. But I I just felt it was important to to really be honest about what was happening in your life, you know, all the time, which is really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and what's it like? Now, I have to say, so, you know, I remember I remember watching All-American Girl. I also remember the moment I first saw I'm the One That I Want and the effect it had on me as a just coming out gay man and being wanting to be loud. I came from, you know, a Baptist minister, you know, father. and But I had this part in me that wanted to explode and to, to really help others. Watching you... And I'm the one that I want own who you were and not be afraid. It was from that moment 
uh, really, you had such an impact on my life, and I was able to see you live, and and you you showed such. I love you. Thank you. That's oh, beautiful. You have Thank no idea. You. Like I've 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 had nightmares about this interview. You you really do. Oh, touch, no. <laughs> you touch so many people's lives on such a deep scale because you you have this ability to be so open with your life to millions of strangers. How? What is that like for you to say? You know what? I'm going to live out loud and I'm just going to say it how it is and yeah. that's got to be a double-edged sword I would think well I don't I don't know I mean it's just the way that I've always been but thank you for what you're saying I just th- don't think of anybody really as a stranger because we're all capable of these emotions and have had these experiences and secrets are not really secretive only if we allow yeah only if we allow them to be you stand up for everybody's Oh, Lord. <laughs> so Margaret was on the phone. So Margaret is on the phone. And we're going to get her back on the phone, Kurt. Yes. Um, it was because of my emotional moment. <laughs> she said, I can't handle this diva in the right? studio. He Sorry about so it. He is so emotionally powerful. No, I'm sure she time. just accidentally pushed the oh, I'm sure. button it with her cheek or something. Here's the thing, guys. Hold on with us. Hang in there. We're going to bring Margaret back on the air. But... What's amazing about this interview is mm. she has impacted so many people's lives. I was oh, talking to you yeah. earlier about we interview a lot of people mm-hmm. and a lot of people with notoriety, and I, and I absolutely enjoy them all. Very few of them affect me in the way that I've been affected knowing Margaret Cho was coming on. And I, when I thought about it, I realized because of like her, when I stated the reason, the moments in time that yeah. I can pinpoint, she really was at the birth of my activism. Mm-hmm. And impacted me and allowed me to, for some reason, give myself permission to have a voice that was not popular at the time, that was definitely never popular in my family, but to still stand up and say, no, I, I'm committed to this. Right. Watching her, seeing her live, watching her videos, watching all that she has done, it has continued to do that. And I have to say, that's probably why yeah, there is yeah. that emotional response in me. She's your it gets better moment. She is. And, and that's, she that's why. is huge on she's here. anti-bullying. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She's huge on women's rights, which is where I was getting to. Mm-hmm. Um, also, of course, LGBT rights. She has been a voice. We like to say we want to give a voice to the voiceless. She really does yeah. do that on yeah. such a broad national scale. She scale-scale. has that voice already. And I know she's calling back in right now. She's talking to Kurt. The Schmierer. But here's the thing. It wouldn't be a hot mess Sunday, and it wouldn't be an amazing interview with Margaret Cho if we didn't make it memorable. <laughs> exactly. So, you know that time Margaret Cho hung up on us? That <laughs> happened, yeah. <laughs> so, we're going to take it. She has, she's coming back on the line. We we have not forgotten her, and she hasn't forgotten us. <laughs> Margaret, I'm are you sorry. there? <laughs> I'm sorry. I said I got too emotional for her, and she was done. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I was so, I, I fainted. I was so right, fainted. yeah, right? It's, you know, when, when, when fabulous meets fabulous, we all just, you know, have a moment. It's, we, yeah. we all fall down. I was, we... So what I was going to ask <laughs> yeah. you is, you have been on the forefront of really marginalized people whether it be the lgd people lgbt people bullying homeless people you have never been afraid to stand up and say i'm gonna give a voice to people that i don't think have a platform to give that voice until they can i am going to stand here has that always been is it because of your you know your history when you were in school with bullying what makes you so passionate about those that are marginalized well, I think part of it is that I had really some trouble speaking when I was a little girl. I was very shy, and mm-hmm. 
so you know that that the, all the people that I was around, you know, these wonderful gay men that um, you know I was in the care of, they really took care of me. And then my favorite man was my English teacher in high school, who was a gay man who was murdered. It was like this terrible oh. thing, and um, it, it it was so scary. And then I remember going yeah. to school and um, kids laughing about this gay man who had died, and I heard it, and I was so upset that I turned around and I left school and I never went back. Oh, wow. um, and I realized I just had to pave, sort of pave a way for myself because it, it, there's all of this horrible, insane homophobia and sickness in the world and I had to devote my life to something that meant something. And, you know, I was growing up all around, you know, the people that were around me, they were very, very inspired by Harvey mm-hmm. Milk. Oh, and yeah. so that's how I learned about politics. And so that's my example to, you know, how to live. So how do you... Okay, so we in our first hour, we always do what we call the dish, and we talk about what's going around the the nation. And we're seeing a lot of laws uh, using religious liberties as their, uh, you know, their card to, to discriminate, really. And it's kind of been a scary backlash, in my opinion. Um, how do you inspire people to stand up and fight? Because it seems like it's not always easy to motivate. Right. So how we does, have to fight. That's that? all we have. You know, the fight has been going on for such a long time, and we have to honor the history. You know, we have to, you know, honor Stonewall. We yes. have to honor Harvey Milk. We have to honor all these people that did all this work before us when it was worse. Yes. So yeah. it's very important to, to continue. Right. And you have such a giant focus on media. I mean, people know you in the media. Do you often find yourself using that as the platform for your political um, advocacy? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, a great place. Yeah. You can also still be artful about it. You can right. still be funny and have fun and and really create it's an entertainment while still making a point about social change and pointing out injustice. It's a, it's a great way to do that. Now, has there was there ever a time, no doubt there were, were industry people warning you constantly, was there ever a time that you were afraid, you know, you have really planted your foot here in the, I'm going to talk about things that maybe doesn't everybody doesn't want to talk about. I'm going to stand for people maybe at this moment in time aren't as popular as they that, that issue needs to be. Was there ever pressure about your career or even a little voice in the back of your head at all? Oh, well, there was always my, like, you know, people in different, like, capacities, whether, you know, like a long time ago I had a manager who was like, don't tell people that you are bisexual. Don't actually, like, put that out there because they they will not accept it, that you have to be completely 100% straight, Mm -hmm. even though you're not. Like, you know, that was very shocking and scary. I mean, this was, like, in, like, the early 90s, Mm -hmm. you know, and I really freaked out or... You know, I just didn't know how to deal with that except be more honest. Right, And right. so, you know, that's the only way to combat that kind of ignorance is through honesty. Well, and when that ignorance faces you, you know, right straight on, you're face-to-face with it, and, you know, there are those moments where you're just down in energy and you can't, you know, it's hard to continue. It's hard to get through that. What helps you get through that? I mean, it's so hard to be a political advocacy, uh, advocate in this, you know, battle that is happening. But, you know, it's really inspiring and fun, too, you know, and it's really... Right, uh, of course. It's the fiercest to be, like, political, you know, and to be really righteous and a revolutionary. I mean, it just also, it just looks good. 
Right. <laughs> exactly. And I need to ask, I mean, because we want to definitely highlight everything you have doing. Robin Williams was a friend to you and someone that inspired you. And his passing, obviously, uh, hard enough on us as a public, but on you who knew him was devastating. And you turned that around into something uh, creative and and helping with, you know, hashtag be Robin. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about that project? Well, I was devastated by his death. I am still devastated. I'm not over it. And uh, mm. but I wanted to honor him by uh, highlighting an aspect of his work, which was his philanthropy. He helped homeless people mm-hmm. all the time, and he raised $70 million with Comic Relief. And wow. in his movies, he had a clause in his contract that stipulated a certain percentage of the crew had to be homeless workers. Wow. So he wasn't about handouts. He was yeah. trying to give people a hand to get out. Right. He's very, very adamant about this, and not only generous in, as, as sort of a charitable institution, but generous amongst us, our, our friends, comics who are in trouble. And uh, so I went out on the streets of San Francisco with my good friend Bob Mould and wonderful, wonderful comedians and and uh, and a band, and we would have a box, and it said, um, you have, give, if you need, pay, hashtag be Robin, and people would bring food and clothing and money and toiletries and sleeping bags and all sorts of things. And then homeless people would come and take it. And all the while, they would be enjoying the spectacle of this insane <laughs> right. street show that yeah. uh, was really fun to do. Um, we'd, like, get naked and stuff. I mean, it was, it was insane. <laughs> and it was really, really beautiful. And people really appreciated it and it helped the homeless in a very real way. And also helped me get over the loss mm-hmm. of somebody I considered a father figure, a role model, um, so many things. Sure. That's that's probably the most beautiful way to celebrate his life and to deal with that pain. Um, that's yeah. that's amazing. And you mentioned that Joan Rivers also was a huge inspiration to you. And you did get oh, yeah. to um, do In Bed with Joan. Um, how was that, meeting her, interacting with her? I mean, such a big figure in um, you know the especially female comedic world. Oh, yes. We had been friends for mm-hmm. 20 or more years. You know, she saw herself in me and sought me out and just supported me so mm-hmm. much. Everything I asked her to do, like, just anything, she would do it. Um, she was there for me if I bombed at a gig. <laughs> she was there for me if I was having a problem with a relationship. Yeah. She um, sent me uh, accessories that I never wore. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know? Yeah, because <laughs> I, 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 I the first time we met, she was like, "I love, I, I, I love you." And this is like in the nineties, and she's like, "I, I, I need, you know, I'm gonna send you some jewelry." And I said, "I don't wear jewelry." And then she immediately turned her back to me and did not speak to me again for two years. <laughs> that <laughs> I, is awesome. And she got over it. Yeah, <laughs> and realized she could send me jewelry. I, I she could change me. Oh. <laughs> of course. Never happened. I never yeah. wore it, but now I have it all here. It's so valuable, right? Yeah. And it's a great way to re- to remember her, for yeah. sure. So you have. We want to talk about the TLC project, all about sex, um, yeah. which is this amazing. First of all, talk show. I don't think since oh, what Doctor Ruth have we actually had oh. something uh, uh, something televised, something out there that we can have honest conversations. And it's you and you have three co-hosts as well. Is that correct? Yes, it's it's a really fun show with Dr. Tiffany, the wonderful Heather McDonald, and Marissa Jarowinoker. Jarowinoker, who's so funny. They're all so brilliant. And uh-huh. we talk honestly about sex and 
you know, for me, it's uh, very much about um, learning and understanding that we're not our relationships, that we are actually our own beings. We need to learn ourselves who we are sexually and right. trying to get people on the go with that. So I'm, I'm really proud of it. Now, it's, it's fairly new, actually. How has the response been? It's been really good. It's, we've just done six episodes, and now we're just waiting to see. Um, the Dysphalic dude contacted me, and I don't know if you know who he is. He's the man with two penises that was on Reddit. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. He, um, we talked about him on the show, and then he reached out to me, and he said that he had just had a dream about me the night before. So I can't wait to meet him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's that's how it happens here. We have a dream, right? We, I we dreamed of you yesterday, yeah. and, this is, and here you are. So yeah. all we have to yeah. do is dream it, and it'll it'll happen. See? It will happen. Yeah, it will happen. <laughs> well, your contribution to just not only the LGBT community, to you know, feminist activists, and to the sex positivity uh, scene that needs to happen. You know, the conversations on uh, the deshaming, yeah, exactly, of deshaming that, of sex, and yeah. you know, just this human Ooh, nature you, act. That's amazing like what that. you've been doing. Yeah, and I have to Thank say, you. coming from, like I mentioned, I'm just going to keep mentioning my Baptist <laughs> minister daddy, um, coming from that, that was amazing to me to to start to understand that I could own my sexuality and I could own myself, my body, as a bear, as yeah. a, you know, just being who I am. But that isn't uh, mainstream. That is still, you know, Republican mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Do you still, right, even right. though you've come but so you far? Beauty, you know, and you're beautiful, and you just have to accept that. Exactly. And it's a responsibility yeah. to accept that, you know. It, it is hard to really feel beautiful in the world we live in, but you have to because you are. See, that's amazing. I mean, speaking of beautiful, you, of course, you had that uh, book and, and uh, show, Beautiful. It's, I have to say, so do you find... That the the being open about sex, um, even now, so far into your career, people know that you're just going to be open about things. Do you get any any backlash at all from that anymore? Well, I'm sure it exists, you know. I mean, but it it really doesn't matter to me because I I just I'm also like a bad liar because I can't remember anything. <laughs> I just like tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. That's my excuse too. Yeah. That's what just I don't remember <laughs> anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I want to ask you a little bit off topic, but it's just so interesting to me. Your tattoos—you have so many, and they're beautiful, gorgeous tattoos. Yeah. And you just you you just have them. What's what's the You're story with them? Canvas. I mean, what is exactly? What do they represent? If anything, are they just hey, I am I am alive. I want to do something fun. Well, when I was growing up, all of these gay men who took yeah. care of me were also getting their, their body suits from, done by Don Ed Hardy yeah. and Bill Salmon in San Francisco. You know, I'm from that era of where people were getting the first full-body tattoos. And right. so when I was ready to get my tattoo, my stepfather, beautiful Manny, um, fathers, my father's best friend, David Forbes, took me to Don Ed Hardy wow. to get my first tattoo, which was a very, very large um snakes in my stomach and back, wow. and since then, you know, I always knew I would be completely tattooed because my family is, and, you know, this is an important, right? you know, just an important thing for me, um, and so I love it. You know, for me, they're not exactly about uh, any sort of meaning or any sort of significance other than this is my uh, body, and I want to celebrate it. That's amazing to me. Now, what, what is clear from tattoos to your career to the whole thing is uh as a true artist you 
you express yourself in as many ways as possible. And one of the things I need to ask, because I, I believe you've been filming a new uh, stand-up, which is there's no I in team, but there's a Cho in Psycho. Is that correct? Yes. One yes. of the fascinating things that I found about that is you say in one of the things I was reading that you commissioned for a piece of art to be done in your image with your own blood. Now yes. you are committed. This is, the one. This, is, yeah. this is really cool. <laughs> well, the artist is my friend Vincent Castiglia. Yeah. And he and I had met because we were mutual friends with a man that we helped get off death row, Damien Eccles, who was one wow. of the West uh, Memphis Three. Um, he, he he was finally released from death row, uh, but we both knew them, him through that guy. And then so yeah. he uh, paints his portraits of and also lots of fine art in his own blood wow. and so i asked him to do a portrait of me and i went to his beautiful new york loft and, and his phlebotomist took a, a, a lot of my blood but not as much as it was like latin less like a blood donor like i didn't need a donut after, right but yeah. it may be a little bit more than what angelina jolie and uh, billy bob <laughs> <laughs> Which is perfect. Oh, wow. Well, you and you stated in the interview I was reading that it's because this new show that you have written is about the anger. It's about that that side of us that maybe isn't as pretty. It's about the essence of what we're really feeling. Yes. Well, it's it's just really strong um, statement of like how we've got to change the world. And you know, part of my bucket list is going to Russia and killing all the gay bashers that I ever saw on the please, internet. Please, you know, love like, it. please, I just. I, I wanted to murder the guys who murdered Matthew Shepard. Like, oh, I just want to murder any child molester, any rapist, any gay bastard. Right. I mean, to me, that's like the whole heart and soul of the show. It's like, I just want to kill them all because it's sickening. Yeah. Right. And wow. I think anybody who says that there isn't, uh, you know, get rid of the political response, that there isn't some side of us that is that angry, I think we're lying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're just, we, you know, we just need that as catharsis of saying, I just hate this homophobia that kills people. I hate this bullying that makes gay kids kill themselves. I exactly. hate this force in the world, the bullying, everything, yeah. and the, the way that it gets worse and worse on social media and how hard it is for gay kids. And I'm so, like, my love, Dan Savage, I think oh, he really yeah. started a revolution with It Gets mm-hmm. Better. And so this is this is all part of that, too. But it's the real anger side, which I think is fun to explore because it also looks fierce. Yeah. Yes. Oh, very fierce. And mm-hmm. you are no stranger to being fierce. Oh, never. When can we? <laughs> when can we look forward? Do you have a timeline? When can we as fans look forward to, to getting to experience that show? Well, this show it's filmed. We shot it last week on Saturday in New York at the Gramercy Theater, and it will be out in September. Um, it's a Showtime special, and also I will be touring majorly behind that. That is what I really wanted to hear you now, say. Now, you're coming to Spokane, <laughs> correct? Yeah. How can yes. we make that happen? We, w- we need to make that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be there. We would love it. I awesome. saw you for the first time in Bellingham, Washington, years and years and years ago. There's nothing. There's. It's great to watch you on a DVD. There is nothing like you live. Nothing. Oh, yes. thank you. Thank you. I remember that show. I haven't been there in so long. Right? Oh, my gosh. I See? love it. <laughs> So, and now Spokane will be your best friends forever. Just come on over. Yeah. We're beautiful. I will. And waiting for you. Oh, well, we oh, want to give you, we always want to give people a chance. I have two, two questions for you. One, you're doing this tour. We know that's coming up. You're doing, um, you, we're, you're doing There's No I in Team, but there's Cho and Psycho. You have this talk show. Are you doing any more CDs? Any more music? Oh, yes. Yeah. 
I will be releasing a new one um, with my band, uh, Georgia mm-hmm. Sky, nice. uh, which is a band that I have with Garrison Star. We're a lot like Heart, so we fit perfectly into I... the, the um, Pacific Northwest. Yes, you do. So, yes. So it's a kind of like a, it's a it's a it, it, it's a sort of like a you know I am an <laughs> It is Nancy, but it's 1978. Love that. Love that. That that look and that sound. So that will be out in June. Well, you have a really strong voice, and we've been actually playing uh, during our show today, a show dependent. And uh, your voice, I don't, you know, you always assume, oh, well, they're an actress or they're comedic. So they, it's like we can't imagine that someone would have talents all around the artist industry. God forbid you have talents. Right. But you are even a strong vocalist. And it's, that was it's very yeah. inspiring. It was beautiful. So I'm excited for your new work to come out. Thank you. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, I mean, I think that there are multi-leveled artists. So like mm-hmm. you look at Bette Midler and you go, oh, <gasps> oh, yes. You know, oh, that's yeah. it. Or even somebody um, like, you know, that, like Neil Patrick Harris. He can do right? everything. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That man is so versatile. Right. Yeah. In, in probably more so than one we way. We can be tops and bottoms. Yeah. There Heck, you go. Yeah. Tops and bottoms. And one day I might find out. Yeah. <laughs> so before we let you go here and wrap up, um, there's a thing we do with all of our uh, amazing, beautiful guests where we have you say, listen to Outspoken, and then we play that clip over and over again, pretending that you're in studio every time. Yeah, we always. So okay. if you wouldn't mind, would, would you, you do say that for, us? that for us? So, hi, I'm Margaret Cho. Listen to Outspoken. Uh, and I just, I just died a little. Now, I just died. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Live. <laughs> live. Yeah. Right? Resurrect. Yeah. Right <laughs> He's there. coming back to life. Um, thank you for taking time out of this day. You know, Margaret, I love to say um, you do you, boo, but there is no one out there who do who does you like you. Like you. So you all. do you, oh. Cho. Um, and that's amazing. Thank you for being an inspiration, taking time out of the day, and, and living life. Really. Yeah, and, and just one last way too personal thing. Just I just want to thank you for giving me strength when I didn't know I had it. You really did do that for me. So well, thank you, Margaret. I love Margaret. you, and thank you. Love you. So much. It's so wonderful. Thank you. And thank you for coming on on a Sunday, because that's never easy. So, <laughs> so we I'm love you for... I'm going to brunch now, honey, so, you know. Oh, lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Outspoken loves you, and so does everybody listening right now. Have an amazing day. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.